Well, good morning. Uh, on the front end, I, well, first, I'm Jake. I'm one of the pastors here. Stoked to be uh, in God's Word with you this morning. Um, I am getting over a cold, and so uh, I'm feeling much better, but I sound much worse. Um, so bear with me with the, the cough and all that stuff. Uh, we're going to get through some good teachings from Jesus this morning. Got my tea here with me. I don't know uh, if you guys <clears throat> uh, take notes, but uh, I often forget my uh, pen and paper when I am frantically leaving the house to come to church in the morning. Uh, so I, I have the digital version, right? And, and I jot notes down as they come up, as, as, uh, as Derek's teaching through the passages. And uh, I've just got some things here. Um, let's see, the past few weeks. Uh, Derek's been going through Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Well done, guess okay. Uh, And he's uh, continued uh, to explore the recording of Jesus' sermon on the hillside called the Sermon on the... Man, you guys are great, okay. Uh, And he lays out that that when we give up our our, our finances and and we give out of a, a giving heart our gifts and our talents that that I shouldn't let other people around me know just how epic my gifts are, right? Or just how much effort that I gave to that one thing. Or how truly big a sacrifice it was for me in giving that. Convicting. And then he keeps going on. In the next sermon, we're we're talking about prayer, right? And we, we looked at the Lord's Good job, okay, yeah, prayer, there we go. Uh, And uh, it said that I shouldn't be lengthy, I shouldn't be fancy with my words with God, but instead I should be quiet about it, being private with my prayers, speaking only from the heart, not letting my ego fill up because of how spiritual I must sound. Convicting. And then Pastor Derek asked me to continue on in this series on the next bit called fasting. And it's a good thing that these next few verses have absolutely nothing to do with convicting stuff, right? We just kind of move on. Jesus pushes it aside. We're having nothing to do with whatsoever the the hypocrite stuff, okay, right, that he addresses on giving and in prayer. Nope. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Dang. I guess we're more into the hypocrite stuff, so we better buckle up tight because we're going to dive into some more Holy Spirit-inspired and empowered words from God through a God-man on a hillside preaching about the kingdom of heaven. So let's look closely at Jesus' words as recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 16. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you can't find it, there's this cool thing called the table of contents in your Bible. Or if you're using your digital one, it's the one that looks like the word Matthew. Okay? So Matthew, chapter 6, verse 16, is where we're going to start reading from. Follow along with your eyes as I read aloud. And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Fasting is, um, as it's found in God's Word, is abstaining from food for a spiritual reason. Okay, Fasting is a spiritual discipline that sharpens our faith and sanctifies you closer into the likeness of Christ, becoming more like Jesus. But fasting is not only Christian. It's not original to us. Fasting actually is everywhere. Okay, there's a lot of opinions and thoughts on fasting. Is it healthy for your body and your muscles? Does it break down or act counter to what your physical goals are? What's the purpose of fasting really anyway? Well, let's break it down, okay? In religious culture, there's fasting. Hinduism, Muslims, philosophers, Buddhists, Jews, all fast for reasons of their own religious practices. In secular culture, there's fasting. Fasting to gain attention toward a cause or a campaign. In health dieting, there is also fasting. This fasting is to abstain from food for physical gain. None of which are bad. Summed up, fasting in secular culture is to just bring attention to something physical. It's not negative, necessarily. And often it's for good causes and good purposes. Whereas in the kingdom of God... Fasting is to take attention off of the physical. In the secular world, it is to put attention on something physical. In the kingdom of God, it is to take off of something physical. To place it solely upon the spiritual God and King. Jesus mentions fasting in a couple of places throughout the New Testament recordings of his life and teaching. There's, there's no command in Scripture to fast. Jesus never commands it of it of his followers. It's not required of us believers. As we discover this morning, fasting is something that Jesus teaches about and assumes that his followers will in fact do. In our current series, The Kingdom Life, we're going through verse by verse the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famously recorded sermon, teaching his followers to live and to lead radical lives as citizens of the kingdom of God. That kingdom of God containing sinners like you and like me who are saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't miss that good news, church family. The gospel is our saving grace. And so as we've been looking through, we've found contrast in the past few sections in Jesus' sermon. The contrast of the pretender from the truth. The wrong response from the correct response. The hypocrite Versus the obedient one. As Pastor Derek said, all that Jesus teaches us, He expects us to obey. And what He expects from us, He also enables in us. Say it again. All that Jesus teaches us in this, He expects us to obey. And what He expects from us, He also enables in us. He doesn't just leave us hanging. Fasting. How's it done according to Jesus? Well, as we read, firstly, don't sulk. Don't look miserable. 
Don't show off that you're fasting. In Jesus' era, people would sulk. They'd disfigure their faces, having the expression of misery like, Ah, I'm really hungry. They would also live unkept, messed up hair, unshaven, sprinkling ashes on their head, all to express this suffering of fasting to the people around them. Holy as I, right? We might scoff at this. We might go, yeah, I would never. But I think it sits a lot closer home than we care to admit. The text says, anoint your head instead and wash your face. This doesn't mean some like religious or ritualistic thing that you got to do. The context of what Jesus is talking about here is social, okay? It's social. Simply present yourself like a normal day out. Wash up, put the deodorant on, brush your teeth, brush your hair, put on your nice clothes. That's how fasting is done, according to Jesus. Unlike in the prayer section of his sermon where Jesus says, shut the door to your secret room and in there pray. He tells his audience with fasting that the Father who is in secret sees you in secret and thusly will reward. You don't need to depart from everyone. You don't need to depart from everything to fast. How fasting happens is impingent upon your motivations. He sees you in the secret. He sees your inward convictions and motivations. For if you display your suffering and gloomy face like the hypocrites, your reward is in the observer's pity. That's all you get. But if you fast and hold in your inner self the secret between you and God concerning fasting, your reward will be given from the Father, Creator God. Often we get so caught up in, in the ever-present now and, and the futuristic uh, soon-to-be that we become so short-sighted. And I have I've given great things to the Lord that therefore He'll bless me this week as He promises I've prayed in the secret place as he instructed in this sermon thing that we're going through. Therefore, he's going to bless my requests this week. My time. I've fasted for 24 hours in front of this, this big decision that's coming up in my life. Therefore, he's going to bless me in that decision. Whose time are we operating in? Don't seek out the now blessings. God has blessings for you in the life to come, and He's much more concerned about that. We get busy chasing tomorrow's blessings that we lose sight of eternity. Does God bless in the now? Yes, absolutely. He does. And He blesses the faithful steps and the obedient ones indeed. What I'm getting at here is that our culture, and I'm speaking pretty loudly to myself right now, get caught up in the instant gratification of the Lord's blessings that the end game is lost. The long-awaited goal is not persevered. Seek not the blessings of now, but of those to come. 
God wants to bless the faithful and bless the faithful abundantly. So with fasting, the reward from the Father is in the secret. As the commentator writes, the reward is continued development of inner righteousness in this life and in the final perfection of righteousness in the afterlife. From righteous practices comes righteous rewards. From righteous practices come righteous rewards. Why then do we do these things? Why do we engage in these practices? Why fast? One question that's weighed heavy on my mind, <coughs> excuse me, in my heart, and preparing for this, this passage here, the question that the great evangelist John Wesley asks, do I love the blessing more than I love the blesser? Do I love the blessing more than I love the blesser? Chapter 6, verse 1, where we started off um, after chapter 5 here in the sermon, beware, be careful of practicing your righteousness before other people in order that to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We were warned from the beginning, be careful, check your heart, learn your motives. Because if you have horizontal motives, your motives are for people that in and of itself is the reward. But if you have vertical motives, your motive is for Christ and growing in relationship with Him from a humble heart, the blesser gives the blessing. What's my motivation for fasting? What's my motivation for praying? What's my motivation for giving? Just a few pages later in Matthew's account of the gospel, Jesus is being questioned by John the Baptizer's followers. Okay, and they, they say this, they say, why is it that we're fasting, and, and those religious Pharisees, all those guys, they're fasting as well, teacher, but, but you and your disciples are not. I mean... I know I don't get it. Did I miss something in Sunday school? They're saying like, hey Jesus, we know that this fasting thing is a spiritual thing to do and all, and, and you're the son of God and stuff, and, and your closest friends, you guys aren't even fasting. The spiritual important thing to do. What did I miss? Jesus replies this in Matthew 9, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them then they will fast. Jesus says that the guests at the wedding, they don't mourn while the wedding is going on. That'd be a bummer of a wedding, right? Can you imagine everybody looking gloomy at a wedding? Ugh, bad photos for a long time. When the groom is there, it's time to celebrate and to party. In this illustration, Jesus is the groom and his followers are the wedding guests. What Jesus is saying is that they don't have to fast in order to experience the presence of God because God is right there in the flesh before them. Jesus' declaration that he himself is God. 
And it wasn't important for his disciples to fast while he was with them. They had the physical presence of him in their midst. The disciples' fasting would come after Jesus is arrested, after he's beaten and nailed to a cross, put to death, laid in a tomb, rose again on the third day, and sits with God at his right hand. It's only after then that the disciples begin to fast. And even unto this day. Jesus didn't reply to John's followers with, with a rejection of fasting, as maybe they were hoping for. Hey, you don't fast, we don't have to, right? Yeah. Oh, you gave a good answer. Okay. Instead, Jesus' intentions is not to tear down fasting or take it away, but in fact to restore it, to instruct and teach the righteous way. He stated, when you fast, not when you're commanded to fast. When you fast, not you have to fast. It's an assumption of faithfulness and obedience rather than a required task. All that Jesus teaches us, he expects us to obey. And what he expects from us, he also enables in us. So fast in the secret. Don't show. Don't be showy. Don't do it for horizontal reasons. Rather, fast focus solely on God because God alone will sustain you. Food won't. He will. In Colossians, Paul, a frequent faster, uh, writes that in Christ, all things hold together. Fasting is not so much withdrawing from food as it is feasting on the Word of God. Fasting is not so much as withdrawing from eating as it is diving into God's Word and letting Him sustain you. It's with that mindset and that motive that we ought to fast. Fasting is done in a number of practical ways for a number of practical reasons. Nothing greater though than for what the discipline may reveal within you already. Fasting reveals the things that control us. In a book uh, on the inward disciple that one of my pastor friends lent me, it, it stated that fasting will reveal the things in your life that control you. This being a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Christ. We cover up what's inside of us with food and, and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately in fasting. David writes in Psalm 69:10, I, I humbled my soul with fasting. Key word, humbled. If anger and bitterness and jealousy and conflict and fear are within us, eating us away, fasting will reveal those things. Here's the kicker. Healing is available through the power of Christ that is living within you already, believer. The power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. Food won't sustain you. God alone will sustain you. Feast on His Word while fasting. 
The purpose of fasting is centered on God, and it's also good for keeping balance in our lives. How quickly we crave the things that we do not need until we are enslaved by them. Paul, again, in a different letter to the Corinthians, he writes, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Our human cravings and desires are like rivers that tend to overflow. Fasting helps keep them in their proper channels. Fasting brings discipline, and discipline brings freedom. It also helps with effectiveness in intercessory prayer, guidance in decision-making, increased focus, awareness of the bonds of control in your life, and so on. But apart from Christ, fasting is meaningless. Almost has an Ecclesiastes taste to it. Apart from focusing on the Father, fasting is short-sighted and empty. Fasting done in secret at an individual level. Check your heart. Learn your motives. Now there's a whole other section on fasting together as a church family with quite a few examples throughout Scripture, but specifically within the book of Acts. And although there, that would be great to take time to look at, We don't have the time here to go into the greatness of fasting as a corporate body. And I think it's ever so more important that we get the individual piece down right. That we start at the heart level before we jump into a corporate level. With concern to our text this morning, Jesus' words to his kingdom followers stay on the level of the individual's heart. He says, but when you fast, believer, may it not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It's all about the motive. It all comes down to the motive. Do you love the blessing more than you love the blesser? This week, church family, I'm going to think on that question. I hope you do too. And as we check our heart and we learn our motives, may we grow in His likeness so that we might glorify Him every ounce of our being. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it is. Thank you also for the conviction that it is, God. Father, search us and know our hearts. What it is, our motive behind our actions in pursuit of you. Lord, help us to give from a heart of generosity and not showy. Let us pray in the secret place. Let us fast. 
unto you, the Father, who is in the secret, who rewards secretly to us. Rewards with righteousness. Thank you, Father, for this church family. And as we continue worshiping you, may our hearts shout your glory. Your name.